Hi everyone, welcome back to the Hawks Insiders AGM Files as we take you, as we introduce you to all the candidates for the forthcoming Hawthorne elections, which are now very close to voting opens imminently as you hear this podcast. My name is Ashley Brown and joining me are my co-host once again, Danny Prince. Hello. Evening, Ash. Good to be here for another one of these. They've been really enjoyable and great to get an insight from all of our candidates and really excited to chat to Katie today. And back from death's door, Darren Levine, hello. I'm still um, sort of on death's door. I've, um, I've got COVID, probably about 70% brain capacity, but um, I apologise to Katie in advance and hopefully uh, I don't have any brain fades through this chat. Hopefully makes some sense. And as you said, uh, Darren said, Katie Hudson's joining us, board member of the football club, up for re-election, uh, as we said, in the next couple of days. Katie, welcome. Thanks, Ash, and, and thanks, uh, Danny and Darren. Really great to be here. Um, great always to talk to some fantastic Hawthorne people, so thanks very much for having me. It's good to have you here. Um, so it's been happy in the footy club. It's always, we even as we record this uh, podcast, there's stories breaking we'll get through and a couple of things and uh, directly and directly involving you. So we'll get through all of that in the next little, little while. But we start with everyone with uh, your Hawthorne backstory. For you, you are... Uh, you part of this premiership royalty running through your veins. <laughs> yes, I'm very fortunate to um, to have had a father who played in the 1961 grand final. It was his first year at Hawthorne. He was a, a young 19 year old, uh, and what an amazing experience playing in the first grand final that Hawthorne, first premiership final that Hawthorne won. So, uh, Graham Arthur, the captain, uh, John Kennedy, the coach. Um, plenty of amazing stories from that era and I was very fortunate to grow up to be part of that and uh, you know so Hawthorne has always been um, at the centre of our family. I don't remember a conversation about who you back for it was just Hawthorne and so when I had my kids there was uh, they were members before they were born and uh, there was no conversation there either so um, yeah I'm very very um, honoured to have um, had that that background in my life. Um, it meant that we had a lot of Hawthorne people sort of in and out of our lives. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, and here I am on the journey to the board, which is, uh, which is amazing. Better tell you, you better give us his name. I think you told that he was, he didn't actually say who he was. Oh, sorry, my father was Reg Full. So I've actually got this bit of a joke with Peter Hudson, actually. So Hudson is my married name. Uh, Peter Hudson and I have got a bit of a joke that he's my father because so many people ask me. Uh, and actually, just recently, Peter told me that we needed to change the story to be my older brother, uh, which I can only take to interpret that I'm ageing faster than he is. Uh, but uh, but you no, know, my father was Reg Poole. Uh, he sadly passed away last year, actually, but um, he played in the back pocket. Uh, he had, actually, I was um, reminiscing with someone today that uh, during the 61 grand final, he uh, crashed into somebody, knocked them out. Uh, I think it might have been Ted Whitten, actually. And uh, uh, he says it was an accident. Uh, John Kennedy thought it was legit. And after the game, John Kennedy's very well known for never giving anyone any feedback. But apparently after the game, he gave him a bit of a nudge and a wink and went, well done. So, because uh, that was, you know, that was the highest uh, form of praise to have cleaned somebody up in a grand final. Yeah, well, David Parkin's still waiting. It's 51 years now and he's still waiting for some praise. John Kennedy about how he played in the 71 grand final. And Don Smiley got his praise about 40 years later when Kanga finally got around to watching the video of the game. So, which, um, growing up, which Hawthorne players are on the back of your duffel coat? 
So I, I always really loved Ben Dixon. Um, ben and I have a bit of a joke about that now because Ben actually did a video for me for my uh, 40th birthday. Um, I actually really love Richie Vandenberg. So it's pretty cool to me that I'm on the board with him and Richie and I have got a really good relationship. Um, and then uh, Chris Langford was the other one. I just thought he was fabulous. So I was a teenage girl when he was amazing. So um, you can sort of understand why how that might have happened. All right, let's get down to uh, let's go to Tim Tax. Um, it's it's a tricky time at the footy club. Um, what we're sort of all, all sorts of places to start, but how do we get to a position where the club seems to be in relatively good health uh, off the field? And the uh, financial results have released this afternoon. We'll get to that shortly. Yet we have this what has become an increasingly bitterly contested election, uh, and which is starting, sadly, to get a bit personal. What's your take on how we've got to this stage? Yeah, I think it's, I completely agree with you. It's, the club is in great shape. Uh, there are so many things going right. You know, the football strategy is in great shape, both on the women's and the men's program. You know, we'll talk about the financials. You know, I'm the chair of the finance committee, so that's very close to my heart, but, you know, record surplus that we've released today. Uh, but yeah, as you say, here we are um, with some personal, personal, you know, um, agenda and and you know an election. Look, I think an election is a healthy thing. Um, I don't think it's healthy when you have you know personal uh, politics that come into it, and you know that's that's where I'm really sad as a Hawthorne member and a, you know a Hawthorne person that that's what's going on. So, you know, I'm really keen for us to get past this. I think stability and unity is just so important for footy clubs. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that that's where we'll be in the not too distant future. Um, I think, I'm, Katie, I'm not sure if you've seen the story that's come out and um, there's been some comments uh, from Jeff Kennett about sort of wanting to, you know, the, the other party want, parties wanting to turn the clock back and make Hawthorne a, a men's only club. And then you've got Andy Gowers um, shooting back this evening about throwing you and Anne-Marie to the wolves in terms of not extending your tenure. I mean, how do you feel about, um, I guess, diversity sort of being weaponized in this, in this battle for the board? Yeah, well, we've got this really tricky situation where the external candidates are all men. Uh, we've got two women on the board and they're both up for re-election this year and the board's recommended a third woman to join. And, you know, the, the background to that is half of our playing group are women now half of our membership base are women. And we really want the board to reflect what the club looks like today. And uh, so, you know, we're obviously very keen for the women to be re-elected. Um, the risk, of course, given that all the men uh, who have been nominated, sorry, all the external candidates who have been nominated are men, is the risk is that we could have a board that has eight men and one woman, which would be an awful message to our members, an awful message to our AFLW girls. So. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's you know, obviously we're keen to get uh, diversity, um, uh, you know, continue to improve the diversity on the board. Uh, we definitely don't want to go backwards, but if we went back to eight, eight men and one woman, that would feel like going back to the 1960s when my dad was playing footy. And, uh, you know, clearly we, we don't want that to happen. The other thing that I think is worth highlighting, and, you know, from being one of the women, I think it's really important to highlight is the three women who we're putting forward are not just diversity candidates, you know, I've got a you know serious finance background. You know, I'm the only person on the board and the only one of the candidates who has a finance and investment expertise. So, 
you know, I have a serious role to play uh, across a number of dimensions. Uh, Anne-Marie's a medical background. Maria Louie has got a legal background. So we're all, you know, really highly qualified professional women with, you know, portfolio roles that we think we can contribute to the club. So it's about diversity, but it's mainly about, you know, having hopefully high caliber women who have got something to contribute. Yeah, I'm really glad you touched on on that, Katie, because I was hoping to take the next question towards the financial space, and you've you've introed it perfectly in terms of your um, incredibly strong finance background. Um, keeping that in mind and understanding the financial position that we are in, moving out of pokies, um, having that um, incredible, um, I guess, revenue come in, um, but then also some of the questions around the sustainability once that, um, you know, the ongoing funds, uh, that that tap is turned off. What does that look like for, for the Hawks? And being the chair of the financial committee, um, you know, what are the strategies that are in place to sort of start to future-proof um, Hawthorne's, Hawthorne's future, I guess? Yeah, it's a great question, Danny. Thanks for that. When we were in the middle of COVID, uh, you know, we talked a lot about how clubs can or organisations um, in the middle of a crisis can take advantage of, of that to come out stronger. And so we actually put together the rally and rise strategy with a view to coming out of COVID in a stronger place. And part of that was about uh, improving the profitability and the sustainability of the football club without relying on the gaming and the inv other investments. Uh, and so that's what we did. So we improved the profitability as we came out of COVID and you would have seen the result today where the football club itself made it an operating surplus. If you go back many, many years, the football club hasn't done that. So what, what we were able to do on the back of improving the football club's operating surplus is uh, allow it to stand on its own two feet and therefore sell gaming. And so the opportunity to sell gaming at a really good price means that we can redeploy a lot of that money towards the Kennedy Centre and some of it towards a future fund, which will generate revenue uh, to help with that sustainability going forward. So the first step was actually improving the club's uh, profitability, and we've done that. The second step was selling gaming. And now the third step, which is, you know, why I'm really keen to continue, is we've got a big piece of work to build that $100 million uh, Kennedy Centre. Uh, and we've got a big piece of work to put in place that future fund to make sure we've got revenue streams to future-proof the club. Is the future sure. fund just going to be, sorry, Darren, is the future fund going to be just a series of, I mean, your background, I mean, just a series of investments or will you have to look to buy an asset, purchase an asset or generate revenue for the club, say Richmond have done with their leisure centres? I mean, what do you think in the future fund might look like? So at the core of what we've been talking about with the investment strategy is how can we actually make the football club better? So, you know, we could definitely put it in equities or we could put it in some sort of investment. But I think at the core of it, we should be actually thinking about how we can make the football club stronger. So we're talking about are there technology investments that we can make? Are there property investments that we can make that actually strengthen the club? Um, and so that's that's really at the core of our thinking at the moment. Um, obviously, we've just got the proceeds. You know, we're just going through the, the final stages with the Kennedy Centre and about to press go with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so then it's going to be very much switching to, to what that can look like. But yeah, I'm really keen to see us actually not just tuck it away in equities. I'm really keen to see us actually find ways to make it a stronger football club with that investment. What's your take on this $25 million black hole that's been spoken about in regards to Ding Dingley? Is that, does it exist or is it something that's being addressed now by the pokies revenue? It doesn't exist. Um, we've got a we've got a funding strategy in place. 
the reason why the Kennedy Centre has been delayed a bit is COVID. The funding strategy hasn't delayed the, the Kennedy Centre, COVID delayed it. You know, obviously during COVID, the AFL industry was going through a lot of turmoil. It wasn't the time to put your foot to the floor in a big investment. So we paused that investment. Coming out of COVID, we've now, you know, obviously reignited it. Um, we're, you know, extremely well progressed. If you look, if you put your head over the fence uh, out at Dingley, you'd see that there's dirt moving around. You can actually see where the ovals are. You can see where the, the, um, the ETAF's going to be. Uh, you can see where the AFLW um, positions are going to be. So there's a ton of progress being made. Um, but yeah, the, the funding strategy is absolutely in place. There's been a lot of talk too around, I guess, transparency with members. And um, it feels like this information is just kind of coming out now ahead of the AGM. Um, do you feel like the club has been, or the board's been transparent enough with members through the process when uh, even through COVID with, with where Dingley was at? Yeah, I mean, we didn't want to get, you know, obviously the members' hopes up, but it just happens that the progress is coinciding with with this time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work that's been going on over the last 12 months, a huge amount of work by people in the club, by Luke Stambolis as head of that committee. Uh, so, you know, Kerry Brewer, who heads up that that project, um, huge amount of work, uh, you know, all coming to, to fruition, uh, you know, pretty much as we speak. So, um, you know, I think now is the time to start talking about it a bit more openly because we have made the progress that we'd hoped to make. Uh, you know, we've got a funding strategy, you know, we've got a, we've got a uh, project um, and, uh, you know, we're ready to go. Katie, you were part of the nominations committee, is that right? So I was part of the presidential nominations committee. Uh, I wasn't part of the director nominations committee, obviously, because I'm standing for re-election as the director this time through. Right. There was some talk um, when it sort of became, there was always this assumption that when Ian Silk joined the board, he was going to be the heir apparent to be the next president. For whatever reason, that's not, that's not turned out to be the case. There was a bit of talk around, a couple of reached out to me and said that gave me your name as someone who was considering putting your hand up. Were you, did you consider uh, nominating for, for, the, for the presidency role? And if so, uh, why didn't you in the end? Yeah, I didn't, Ash. I didn't put my name forward. Um, I was really keen to focus on the things that I really enjoy contributing to the club. So for me, those two things were chairing the AFLW uh, sub football committee. So I've had a big role. Like I'm the AFLW advocate on the board. You know, I've had a big role in obviously chairing that committee, working with Beck and the, the crew to get the, the season underway. And I think we've delivered a fantastic first season. Uh, and then I also obviously chair the finance committee. So they're really two big, critical, sort of chunky roles. And I was keen to, to really focus on the things that I enjoy doing rather than uh, rather than putting my name forward for president. Because there's been the, also with the director's nomination, there's been, um, again, conflicting reports about how transparent the club has been in, in the nomination process. So just a, a hypothetical, if I wanted to nominate for the board this year, how would I have found out, how would I have got the information? Yeah, so you would have seen on the club website that um, that there was uh, advertising effectively to say nominations are open if, for directors. So Ian Silk has chaired that director nominations committee and that is a new committee that we've put in place this year. I think we've really worked hard to strengthen the governance around that process. Uh, so Ian chaired the nominations committee. Um, they advertised on the club's website to say all members were open to uh, contributing or putting their names forward. A number of really fantastic members have put their name forward. Uh, Ian ran a committee that included a number of independent members, so independent from the board, uh, really great Hawthorne people. 
uh, and they came up with a with a selection of, of Maria Louis. Uh, Maria's been you know actively involved with the club for a number of years. Um, we love that sort of way of recruiting people. We get to see them, they get to see us. Um, they volunteer, they contribute, and then over time, hopefully, um, they rise through the ranks and, and uh, you know, have the opportunity to join the board. So, Ash, we would have loved you to put your name forward. Uh, if, you wanted, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to put your name forward, the opportunity was there. Uh, Ian, Ian would have had a lovely time interviewing you, and I'm sure you would have enjoyed the process. <laughs> I've got it. I'm, an, I'm old school. I don't think journalists should serve on the committees of footy club. I was trying to tell Eddie McGuire for 25 years that he should uh, he should be president of Congress if he wants to carry an AFL accreditation. But uh, one day when I retire, you never know. Uh, we, had, we had Maria on the podcast a couple of the, a couple of days ago, and she she was excellent. So uh, so certainly the club's chosen wisely. Good. Well, thank you for that feedback. We think so too. We just hope that all three women get elected. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one of the sort of underlying themes of uh, the media attention in this election, and I guess the feedback from the members is um, questions around the moniker of the family club. Now, there's been um, plenty of feedback on both sides of the fence. Where do you sit with the current status of Hawthorne with cultural reviews and um, feelings of disconnection from the members and players not really wanting to have much to do with our club, um, Indigenous players specifically. Um, where does that sit with you, Katie? And what's your take on whether or not we should be um, holding on to that family club, Monica, or stepping away from it at this point in time? Oh, we absolutely need to hold on to it. You know, it's the core of our values um, of being that sort of inclusive family club. And um, obviously the people can't see, but I've got, a, you know, a wallpaper behind me that's a, got a banner with family written on it. Um, and just by way of, quickly by way of background, that's the wallpaper that we had. I was really lucky to participate in the bid for the AFLW licence, uh, represented the board, and this is the banner that we had behind us. So, you know, family is at the heart of our DNA and there's absolutely no way we should move away from that. So, um, you know, obviously we're, you know, we're having a, a little bit of a bumpy time across a couple of elements at the moment. Um, you know, I think the, at the core of it for me is that members, you know, across the whole AFL industry found COVID hard. They felt disconnected and coming out of COVID, there's a real need for physical connection again. And I think we recognised that this year and we did some work around that. I think there's more work that we're going to do next year to, to continue to strengthen that. And I think the, the most amazing opportunity is when that Kennedy Centre is built in 2024, uh, that will be the place that we can all reconnect again. So my kids grew up going to Glenfrey Oval for Family Day. You know, we did it every year. I live within a three iron away from uh, Glenfrey Oval. Uh, and so I, you know, that's that's sort of our, you know, our home that we used to go to. I want, you know, Dingley and the Kennedy Centre to be that for the next generation of Hawthorne kids, where they feel connected, where they have that physical opportunity to feel close to the club. Uh, and I think that's that's the opportunity for us going forward. But we absolutely hear uh, the feedback that members need more physical engagement, and that's absolutely a priority. Uh, and you can be assured that that's something that we're working on really hard. 
Yeah, awesome. And I think that's that's the thing. And I think, you know, that aspirational side of it for when the Kennedy Centre is up and going uh, makes makes a lot of sense. Is there something in the meantime that um, our members might be able to see uh, in that sort of that gap between now and whenever that Kennedy Centre is, uh, is is completed? Because, um, you know, that that's probably still, you know, a, f a fair way in the distance. Sooner than you think, um, sooner than you think. Well, you're, so, you're more than welcome to break an exclusive if you want, Katie, and, <laughs> and, and give us an, an ETA on the day. Go, go right ahead. Sooner than you think. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, in the interim, um, we need to make sure that we give the members lots of opportunities to engage at, at Waverley, um, you know, at, uh, you know, and, you know, lots of, and that's absolutely what we're working on. So I think we did a better job this year and we'll continue to do a lot more of that next year. So stay tuned, but we're absolutely hearing that feedback. Um, you know, I feel it. Uh, and so I, I think that's something we want to prioritise for members going forward. What about your old hood? In, your hood in Glen, in Glen Ferry, they've also been, um, I think Andy Gowers is keen at, at Glen Ferry or might have been Ed Sill. One, one of the challenges is very keen to also get Hawthorne back to Glen Ferry in some shape or form, do, do some events in, in the, the heartland of the footy club. Is that, is, is that on the on the cards as well? Yeah, that's actually something we've been working um, with the with the government around. Um, yeah, I'm keen for that, obviously, being a Hawthorne person myself. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Josh Frydenberg getting tipped out has probably not helped the progress on that. Um, but yeah, that's something we're absolutely working um, and thinking and, and planning around. Uh, you know, I'd love to see Hawthorne do you know, have a, a home at, at Dingley, but also our spiritual home at Glenfrey Oval and, and get people there. Um, but unfortunately, Glenfrey Oval, I don't know if you've been there very lately. I go there often when I want to do my Hawthorne thinking. I get my dog and I walk, I do laps around Glenfrey Oval just to do, I look up at the Michael Tuck stand and I, I, I feel the aura. Um, and I, you know, I get to do my sort of deep Hawthorne thinking, which as you can imagine, has been quite a bit of over the last uh, 12 months. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really important part of our history and I want to make sure that we retain that um, in the way we go forward. So Katie, I assume that you're endorsing Peter um, to be the next president of Hawthorne? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, Peter's um, got my full support. Yeah, and, and I guess what makes him a great candidate for, for president? So I think the first thing to say is Peter's not Jeff. Uh, he's very different. So we've got a new leader and a completely new style of leadership. And I think that's really important to understand. You know, Peter's inclusive. He listens. Uh, and I think he's got a really good team uh, around the board table. And I think Peter's the sort of leader who'll get the best out of that team. Uh, so I think, you know, they're the things that I think I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, in terms of working with Peter as a leader going forward. And, and I guess if, um, if Andy is successful in his bid, um, how, how would you find working with him and would, would that make you reassess your position or are you open to working with other people in that, in that role? Yeah, look, my, my allegiance is to the club. You know, I'm, I'm here to do the best job I can for the club. You know, sometimes you work with people that you, you know, are challenging and you've just got to find your way through that because, you know, at the heart of what you're doing, you're there for the club. Uh, and so, you know, that's absolutely my priority. Andy and I did work together on the nominations committee. He was on the presidential nominations committee. I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, Andy actually lives in the same street uh, as our house in Point Lonsdale. Uh, so, you know, I've got to know Andy, um, you know, over the years, but uh, yeah, just to be really clear, I'm 100% supportive of Peter 
uh, and you know it's it's my you know very great hope that uh, that he'll get the opportunity uh, to continue the work that he's already doing um, and you know continue to to deliver that plan that we've already got in place. What's it been like at the footy club the last uh, couple of years? How in hindsight now, I'm mean, twelve months on. How bruising was the uh, the coaching fallout of? I mean, all's well that ends well in that. I mean, everybody and and what's great about this about this campaign almost is the footy's been ring uh, ring fenced. Around, uh, it's totally separate from everything. Everyone's on the same page when it comes to footy. How bruising was was that last sort of few weeks of the 2021 season? The club was on the outside looked like it was being torn apart by all this. What was it like? On the inside, I think there was, you know, there wasn't that feeling. I think people were, you know, working well together. Um, there's no doubt that that transition was not handled in the way that we would have liked. You know, Alistair was an amazing... So I, I didn't get to know Alistair that well because it was really at the tail end. Of, his time was really my early time and a lot of that was during COVID. Um, but, you know, from what I could see, you know, and obviously being a Hawthorne supporter, he's an incredible, incredible contribution to the club and we can never under, underestimate that. Um, transition, so I work in the corporate industry, you know, I work with a lot of CEOs and boards. Transitions of leadership, particularly long-standing leadership, is always very complicated. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and we were trying to think of a coaching, a long-standing coaching succession that was handled well. And the only one we could come up with was actually the Brisbane Lions when Lee Matthews left. Um, and that was because Lee actually made the call himself. So I think it's very, very difficult. Um, having said that, I don't think we handled it as well as we could have. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll always have regret about that. Um, also looking in your slightly lighter note, looking at uh, your corporate profile, notice that uh, I won't name the person, but you actually were, someone who worked for you is the first cousin of Harry Sheasel, who's a young footballer that everyone wants to get to Hawthorne. Is, uh, been any lobbying in the family? Any lobbying from from that to, to Hawthorne to try, try and uh, tank for Harry Sheasel, who a young star, is a mad Hawthorne supporter, who we're not going to get to the club now. Sorry, I'm not actually sure. Someone who works for me is a cousin. Yes, cousin of Harry Sheasel. I'm just that? wondering whether. I don't actually know much. who you're talking about. Oh, I'm going into the office tomorrow where there's going to be some conversations. <laughs> I was not aware of that. So, so when I interview people to come and join our organisation, I always ask them who they barrack for. And uh, it always has an impact, of course, on the outcome. And uh, <laughs> we've got an organisation where there's actually no one who backs the Hawthorne, but we've just employed our first person who backs the Hawthorne. So uh, fortunately, he's a member and he's been, you know, obviously been given some feedback about how he's got a vote. Um, but uh, yeah, I did not know that. So thank you for that information. <laughs> uh, we'll probably finish up there. We, just, we, we want everyone to finish it. Give us your 30 second stop speech, stop speech as to why uh, we, we should put you on, on our belts when they came out in the next couple of days. Yeah, thanks, Ash. Look, the, the big thing for me personally is I've obviously got, uh, I started a job around, you know, getting the club through COVID financially, selling gaming, uh, but now I've got some big jobs that I need to finish. You know, I've got to, we've got to deliver the $100 million Kennedy Centre project. And obviously that's a big piece of work for me as the chair of the finance committee. We've got to get that future fund set up. Uh, so for me personally, there's some unfinished business, you know, that I think, as I said before, I'm the only person who's up for election who has those skills. So I think that's important. Um, and then it's from the club perspective, you know, it's stability and unity is when we win premierships. Uh, we need to let the men and women's programs, you know, Sam and Beck, get on with their strategies. 
Uh, and I think, you know, making sure that we, we support them, that we give them clear air to do that is super important. Um, and then finally, the, the member engagement piece, you know, we've talked about that, but I think that's got to be a really big priority for us going forward. And, um, you know, it's a part of the job that I really enjoy. Uh, it's why I joined the board and, uh, you know, I, I'm, you know, keen to make sure we deliver on that. Uh, thanks that's a so lot. much. Yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> excellent. Darren's got one more question. Go for that. Well, that was perfect, and I, and I think it's it's interesting you say that, and you know you've got you you and the board running on a platform of stability, but on the other hand, you've got uh, a faction that's that's hell bent on change. It's do you understand how that's a bit confusing for members at this point in time, maybe? And where does the kind of truth lie? Do we do we need maybe stability with with little incremental change or um you know i i think people kind of don't know where where to sit on the spectrum and where the truth lies yeah well, i think what what i hope members will realize is that we do have a new new sort of leader coming in um so we are moving forward with the leadership you know i think part of the challenge is you know jeff was last year's story this year's story is a new leader a new leadership with a new leadership style and i think peter will do a great job um, but what we need to do is give you know, a, a really talented, hardworking group of, of directors, the opportunity to deliver on a strategy um, that so far is actually proving to be really strong, you know, financially, you know, around the, the Kennedy Centre, around the football strategy, you know, AFLW, I think has been a huge success this year for the club. Uh, you know, our, our, our membership numbers have grown, our attendances, unlike the rest of the industry, have actually gone up. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of areas where we're in a good place. We need to get the personalities out of it and be allowed to move on with getting the job done. Terrific. And I'm glad you mentioned AFLW because um, for me, especially just seeing all the off-field turmoil and the things going on at the club, the AFLW was an absolute breath of fresh air, restored my faith in the family club. And I just loved watching the girls run out. Um, so thank you very much for your efforts in making that season as successful as it was. And I just wanted to know, you know, how you felt watch, watching that season unfold. And I mean, it just couldn't have gone better from my perspective. Oh, Darren, thank you for saying that. I completely agree. Um, there's a couple of things. Look, one of my most favorite moments was actually, I went down to the first training at Box Hill when the girls trained. It was on a Wednesday night. It was pouring with rain. Beck had said she didn't want any distractions. So no one, you know, I just stood on the side and I was taking photos because it was for me like an incredibly emotional moment. Um, so that was big. But then the two things that I've been particularly excited about were um, the older players in, the, in our team who have all played at other clubs, of course, are telling the younger players that Hawthorne is the best club they've played at. Like that is heartwarming. All of the older players are telling the younger players is the best club they've played at for a whole lot of reasons. You know, they love Beck, it's fun, they've felt supported, the, the, the guys have been super welcoming. It's a one club sort of philosophy. So there's a whole lot of reasons, but that's pretty powerful. Um, the other thing that's been really exciting for me is on the football field, I think we were number one or two with pressure and tackles. So for a young team where the bodies, you know, we've got a very young team, five of our girls did year 12 this year. Um, where the bodies are not super strong yet, um, where you've got Tilly Lucas Rod, who's not physically that big, um, captain in there every week, pressure, tackles. I just love the cult, that, what that tells you about the culture, about the girls are all in. And, uh, you know, to be one or two in pressure and tackles in your first year, 
uh, is just incredible. So, you know, we've got a really, really exciting future. We've exceeded our expectations. Um, and for me personally, the girls are an absolute joy to be around. Um, my husband said to me the other day, gee, it's a different environment in a girls' change room after a loss than a boys' change room after a loss. When we lost to Brisbane, you know, they're still, they're up, the energy, they're positive. Um, and it's just absolutely joyful to be around. And I'm incredibly fortunate to have the role that I do. So, okay, I just want to double back one last thing to back to to Jeff Kennett. It's is it unfair that in a way that it's being portrayed as a bit of a even though he's stepping down, this is partly a, this election battle or board battle is partly a Jeff referendum, and you're you're considered even though he's stepping down, you're you're seen still to be in the Jeff camp. Is that do you feel like it's a bit unfair, or is, is that perception totally wrong? Uh, yeah, I, I, it is frustrating, I must confess, because I do feel as though I'm my own person. I've made a, you know, a big and active contribution to the club and to be considered part of that, I, I think, is, is definitely frustrating. Um, but I think the other thing is, you know, as I said, Jeff is last year's story. Jeff is about to exit the building. You know, we shouldn't be having that conversation. We should be talking about the go forward. And, you know, I think what's really important to, to keep re-emphasising is, is Peter is his own leader. He's a very different leader to Jeff. Uh, and I think he's an inclusive you know, person who will get the best out of what is a really high calibre group of people around the table. So, so, you know, I'd love us to be having a forward-looking conversation instead of a, you know, personality, you know, backward-looking conversation. We might leave it there, Katie. Thank you. Now, now, Darren, what I ask this question is too shy to ask. Were you always Katie Hudson or were you Kate Hudson? And then a certain film star came This is your question, down. Ash. This is not my question. <laughs> Actually, you said too. Um, so do you love the fact that we've got Owen Wilson and Katie Hudson on the board? I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, uh, but no, I am Katie. I've always been Katie. I, I didn't just change that to try and get into the groupie. Um, but of course, I was Katie Cool because that was my maiden name. Um, Hudson's my married name. But um, of course, I married Hudson so that I could be a, you know, part of the Hawthorne dynasty. No, I was going to um, say, Katie, I, I really loved you in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I thought you were phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, no I was I was I was Katie Hudson before she was though, so let's just be clear about that. So the um, OG. Yeah, at least people remember your name. So <laughs> hopefully they remember on that ballot as well. <laughs> That's right, right, one Hudson. Uh, look, thank you for joining us. It's been great to chat. Um, congratulations for everything you've done. As Darren said, just echoing what he said, the women's program is uh, is brilliant for the football club. That first game against Essendon. Uh, back in September was one of the best nights at the footy I've had. Went with my daughter, one of the best nights we'd had at the footy for a long time. So well done for that. And the club finance is in great shape. So well done for that as well. We really appreciate you joining us on Hawks Insiders and uh, we wish you the best of luck uh, with uh, what's to come in the next few days. And if you remain on the board, and if you don't, our Substack and our space is always open for you to come on and uh, have a chat about Hawthorne at any time. So we wish you the best of luck and thank you. I'd love to. Thank you very much. Really great chatting to you guys and really appreciate the support and the opportunity. Thank you. That was Katie Hudson uh, standing for the Hawthorne board. Belts open in the next couple of days. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Darren. Thanks to everyone for your support of Hawks Insiders, as always. Don't forget the Cal Toomey uh, draft edition of The Spaces Thursday night. Might have dropped already by the time you hear this podcast, but uh, all the information there. 
and uh, look out for our fan survey as well, which will be uh, the result of which will be online very, very soon. Thanks, everyone. And uh, Anne-Marie Pulitzer and Richie Vandenberg in the next few days as well as our AGM files continue. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next time.